This episode is an extension of a story I wrote for Clipson Magazine. I'll put the link in the description where you'll find photographs, tables, and interactive maps to go along with what you're about to hear. This is the story of a six-hour Bigfoot hunt with professional guides in Whatcom County, the arguable epicenter of Bigfoot activity in regards to both sightings and cultural value. This episode is not interested in the evidence, no matter how extensive or lacking, for or against the existence of Bigfoot. This is about what Bigfoot means as a cultural symbol since time immemorial in this region and elsewhere, for almost every community who has lived here, and the different ways the figure is celebrated and understood. Now quarantined, I finally found the time to piece this together. This is Bigfoot Doesn't Care If You Believe. I hope you enjoy. Drizzling rain breaks on the pavement by Squalicum Harbor as it has for the past week. I stand waiting, equipped in snow boots, a rain jacket, and a headlamp, wondering how I will recognize my tour guides. When they pull up, I realize the thought is ridiculous. If the giant white van with LED spotlights and the ladder didn't tip me off, it was the vibrant illustrations of mountains, forests, and, of course, Sasquatches. My guides, Joey Sternhagen and Ray Colleen, greet me with bright smiles and handshakes. Without much delay, I ride shotgun and we head out. Bigfoot came up in conversation the very day the two met in Alaska, each guiding groups with respective charter fishing companies. Both have been searching for the disputed creatures their entire lives and clicked instantly. In 2017, they came together to found the Bigfoot Adventures. Though they left Alaska behind, they're still fishing. Together they guide Washingtonians to rural areas where Sasquatch sightings are frequently recorded. Okay, so we were, we were setting up camp and we Gil- heard Gular ice cave. at Gular Ice Caves, and we heard what sounded like old man chatter, and people have recorded and heard this sound, and it literally just sounds like like an old man mumbling to his buddies. So it's like... <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds like... a very good rendition, too. It's perfect. <laughs> and, it, and it's been recorded. I'll play some recordings for you. And I said, Ray, what was that? You hear that? And he said, no. Then he listened a little. He goes, yeah, sounds like chatter. I was crumpling newspaper for tender for the fire, and I was on my knees. And I... Yeah, so we, set, so we got the fire going, and we were right on top of these ice caves. The whole ground was hollow around us. We did some exploring the next day, and everywhere we walked, you could hear just boom, 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 when you're walking over caves. But anyway, after he got the fire going, all of a sudden we started hearing a howl. And I can, Ray can do the howl better than I can. It's uh, we've heard it since. I think it, it's described like as the Ohio howl, and mm. you can do a search on this. And it started off at a higher pitch, Sam. And it, it, it just we both heard the same thing, but we translated it slightly different. It just basically went high pitch to low pitch and really low and gutter. It sounded like, and it was so deep chested and so primal. And we we both have been raised in the Pacific Northwest. We've heard cougars, elk, um, porcupines will make us scream, uh, all, all of the different you know, owls. And we've heard everything there is to hear because we've grown up in the woods camping and hunting and fishing. Right. And this was nothing like that. And uh, it, was, it was our first experience together after beginning our research for this trip that we experienced something together the first time. Yeah, it was intimidating. And... Uh, we uh, we usually sleep with the camper. We have we, we have a camper on the bed of the truck, and it has a barn door that opens wide. We usually sleep with it wide open, and I was like, nope, we're closing that tonight. <laughs> but then later we went and explored. Um, we explored the caves 
so it's dark out, probably about midnight. Went and explored the caves that were really close to us there. Came back to the campfire and we were talking about it. And we took out the wood knock and uh, Bigfoot often make the, the sound of a, of a tree, right. a branch hitting a tree or two rocks knocked together. So we did the wood knock and immediately the sound started again. It had stopped and then it started again wow. and over and over, probably about once every 30 seconds. Yeah, it was rhythmic and it was very, it sounded lonely. It like sounded mournful. Uh, mournful, forlorn, love, love, yeah, love sick. And it was consistent. And when he had, when he started the first time after the old man chatter that Joey had initially heard and alerted me to, and I could hear it too when I stood up and stopped crinkling fire makings together, you could hear it. And then after that old man chatter, when he started with that howling, it, it was like every 20 or 30 seconds, and he did it over and over. Probably went on for approximately eight or 10 minutes. Wow. And then, then when he stopped, we were painfully aware that we were camped right on top of a bunch of caves, and we wanted to make sure that there was sent tongue in cheek. We wanted to make sure there wasn't any, you know, vampires or werewolves <laughs> the cave entrance we're camped next to <laughs> or, or Bigfoot so after we checked out that cave in the dark we weren't down there very long Sam I came back up Joey suggested we use our tool that mimics the wood knock and we, we wrapped on that and we'll use that tonight too oh, cool. you can try that out we tried that three times and he immediately responded it didn't sound like he was any closer or any further it sounded like he stayed stayed in the same spot and he started again and it just it was one of the most exciting times we've had out in the woods you know looking for these creatures um, wow. sometime later a year later we were i won't tell you the exact location but i will take you there um we were along the skagit river coming back from eastern washington and we were looking for tracks on the sandbar of the Skagit at a spot that's special to both of us uh, for different reasons. And we've both been there in the past. And uh, we found a single track, 17 and a half inches long, which we can share a picture with you of oh, it. Cool. And we measured it out. It was it made a, an impression in the sand. We possess a couple of excellent quality castings from a Bigfoot that... Uh, a sheriff's deputy cast in 1982, and he believes it's a creature that I saw. Hmm. So we'll show oh, those like to the you. very one. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, we'll show those to you tonight as well. Gazing through hardworking wipers, we head northeast on Mount Baker Highway. Dernhagen pulls out a speaker and starts playing me recorded Sasquatch calls. <laughs> similar yeah he went and started low went high went low again it's very something what we heard at mount adams <laughs> Scream 
but the, the volume, the difference is that the volume of that scream, people have described it over and over very similar that it's it's like somebody is standing right over you screaming down into your throat. It's so loud they can feel their chest vibrate even when it's a long distance away. Wow. You know, so the sounds, um, they'll make a whoop sound, a whoop, like that over and over, but really, really loud and voluminous with a big chested. People have had uh, experiences where they get a call and response to a whoop or a scream like that, and then the old man chatter, which sounds like a language, and a lot of people believe that that's, it's, it's an actual advanced language. Sternhagen tells me they have brought along skeptics and believers, young and old, and those who start the tour chuckling usually change their tune by the end. I'm pretty confident we won't find Bigfoot tonight, but I try to keep an open mind. There's more to the legend than just blurry photographs. On the official website of the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, there are reported sightings of Bigfoot in every state but Hawaii. Whether these accounts are based in truth, it is certain that there are more sightings recorded in Washington than any other state by far. We've been researching locations. We have Atlas Gazetteer maps for all of the Pacific Northwest states, and we've gone through and, and by location and GPS coordinate have noted where all of the Bigfoot sightings that have been reported have been made in all of these states from uh, Idaho, Montana, Washington, Oregon, California. And so on this route, we'll stop at some of those locations. Washington state is the heart of it. There are more sightings in Washington state by far than any other state in the nation. Um, so we're right in the heart. And everywhere we went, we talked to people who never reported it, but they had sightings. People out on the Olympic Peninsula, you can't even talk to anybody out there that hasn't had some sort of experience with Bigfoot, it feels like. So um, this is the perfect place uh, to take people out with that actually have a chance yeah. to maybe hear them or make contact with them or do knocks or, um, you know, race seeing one face to face. And, and uh, we're going to use some of those techniques that he used to call one in numerous times that he ended up seeing wow, so times. yeah so it's it's i don't know it's kind of been a labor of love of just what we love to do according to seattle anthropologist wayne settles the word sasquatch is an anglicized version of seshkek meaning wild man from the halkamelem language of the first nations people of british columbia but there are other words for bigfoot one for nearly every coast salish tribe in fact most, if not all, of the Coast Salish of this area seem to agree that there are large, man-like beings in the woods and mountains who differ from human beings in various ways, Suttles writes in his 1972 paper on the cultural track of the Sasquatch. The sightings in this area are fresh and recent. One of the spots we'll take you tonight, there was a sighting in October of 2018. That's relatively recent. Yeah, it is. Joey was interviewing a guy from the Lummi Indian Reservation here just a couple months ago that was telling that well yeah or even more recent than that had seen one on he saw one a week after halloween and he said it was the same one that his brother saw on halloween and heard and this bigfoot that's out on the reservation returns to the yard and eats all the apples from their apple trees oh, wow. but has done things like the kids that lose their frisbee in the blackberry bushes that are 15 feet high and completely inaccessible to a human. You cannot get back there to get the Frisbee. And the next day, the Frisbee will be sitting in their lawn. Second-hand stories, of course. I mean, yeah. we weren't there to witness it, but that's what we were told. So but, just... the, but the 
the Lummi tribe has a long history with yeah. Bigfoot. I mean, there's stories dating back as long as people can remember of Bigfoot. And there's been a lot of sightings out there. There was one sighting that was seen by about 15 people, including the sheriff out there. And they couldn't chase it away. They watched it for a couple of hours. And finally, the sheriff loaded everybody up in their cars and said, go home, go inside and lock the doors because it's not leaving, you know? You don't have to dig very deep in all of the tribal history and culture to find Bigfoot or Sasquatch anywhere from Alaska all the way down to Northern California. All the coastal tribes have their own stories. I asked Colleen if, because Bigfoot is such a large part of Native culture, if tribal members make up a large portion of their clientele. His answer is perfect. As a charter fisherman, it would be rare for me to take out another charter fisherman because uh -huh. they're going to take themselves out. Suttles does not argue whether the belief in Bigfoot is of a physical being or a mythical one as native people have not held such a dichotomy. And the same reports of elk, bears, and beaver are reports of two-headed serpents, thunderbirds, and sasquatches. This does not mean that the mythological elements of these stories are not grounded in truth. Famous Lummi folklore tells of a prophet warning his village of a great flood in the area. In the 2000s, geologists of Portland State University, Western Washington University, and the University of Rhode Island confirmed this flood as fact. Because the spiritual and the physical worlds are equally real to Coast Salish tribes, Suttle says, what is seen in a, quote, vision experience and what is seen in a, quote, ordinary experience are not differentiated in native stories and writings. According to a blog post written by the late Steve Pavlik, a professor at Northwest Indian College, Bigfoot has always been a spiritual being, a shapeshifter even, and proving its existence is impossible. Colleen has heard this perspective many times, but holds an entirely different one. Ray has seen one face to face, so... I, I hold the position that anything that leaves tracks in the mud, leaves yeah. hair samples, goes shit in the woods yeah hollers like any other primate does sam i just don't think that there's a lot of them out there yeah and i think the ones that are out there are very adept at staying hidden i believe they're nocturnal not many people can run through the woods without <laughs> without running into a tree right or falling in a hole so these creatures do if they're doing the hunting at night or their food gathering and they hole up in the daytime or they, they keep a low profile easy peasy yeah. And this timber here, I mean, yeah. is the idea that they're nocturnal just coming from most of the um, evidence is found at nighttime? The, the sound, is that what it's coming from? Yeah. The sun is starting to set when Colleen eases the van to a halt beside the North Fork of the Nooksack River, where we retrieve the first trail camera. Sam, the reason we chose this spot on the river is because the steelhead are in the river right now. You can see, we've been seeing eagles along the river, Bigfoot feet on on salmon, on salmon. And, and this is a natural game trail going down there was some bobcat tracks going down to the river there they wouldn't follow joey down just watch this stuff so their diet's kind of like ours then because you talked about apples and and then salmon as well i think they anything from you know domestic farm animals like cattle and, and pigs to chickens to watermelons to salmon did you, to steelhead to did you, uh, did you bring a spare to put in here we can just swap it out of the Does this take a regular SD or a micro? Micros. You, they're in that pack. What's the range on the trail cam? Like, it, would it sense and pick up stuff? Like, yeah, it would across there. It's 80 feet. I oh believe. wow. The, well, the IR is for sure, and the daylight one is even further than that.
back on the road now, cruising down lonely highways and mountainous back roads, and Colleen and Sternhagen have stories of sightings at almost every mile marker, enough to make this podcast at least two hours longer. Along these paths, Sasquatches have reportedly chased a couple down the mountain, howled so loud that campers abandoned their gear, and even saved a young camper from hypothermia. According to Suttles, stories like these have been blossoming in the area since time immemorial. Sasquatch-like beings of Coast Salish folklore are often depicted as tricksters, thieves, and kidnappers, depending on what tribe is telling the story. Everybody's so amazing about sharing their stories. I had one gentleman flag me down to tell me about his experiences with Sasquatch and his mothers and his grandmothers and his grandfathers, you know? It's like, like I said, there's not as much stigma around it when it comes to the tribal stories. So, um, all the people I've run into that are native are so just open about it and talk about it and tell stories like, oh, there's certain areas that you just don't go because that belongs to Bigfoot, you know, that's where Bigfoot fishes, so we don't fish there. So there's like almost a mutual respect that goes along with it, you know, which is, it's it's pretty cool. The stories are all there, but they're, they're, they're approached a little different and with less stigma than, than other stuff. Old folklore depicting nocturnal, eight-foot-tall, hairy, bipedal creatures knocking on trunks and howling is not so different from reports in Whatcom County as recent as 2018. The site of the most recent report, 2,500 feet up Sumas Mountain, is our next stop. But first, we pull over to assess our gear. Okay, so what we have, we have, these are two digital night cameras with recording devices on them. One of those is made by Bushnell. And you can go ahead and uh, pick that one up if you want. So I'm gonna demonstrate this. This was made. This is a Chinese company. They copied the Bushnell design, but it's actually works better than this one because it has a larger objective lens. So keeping the lenses, we'll just kind of hold them in here. Okay. So to turn these guys on, so pop your lens cap off. Yep. Power button. Looking through it. Did you light up? Yeah. Okay. Looking at the top of it, you have a record button. Yep. Okay. So if you if you happen to see something tonight where you're holding my hit record. Yeah. IR, intensity of the IR. So you go from no IR, which is infrared. Uh-huh. If there's starlight or any ambient light, moonlight, anything, you won't need IR. But with the cloud cover, it'd be pretty dark. Okay. And then this is the te- the telephoto. I'd recommend backing it all the way down to like one power because it's so close anyway okay so these things are so fun to use um, you focus the focus is in the front of course what? <laughs> say that. I just realized if I wear reading glasses you know, I can see a lot better out of this one <laughs> so those are digital night vision ca- uh, cameras mm-hmm. okay, with recording devices on them as well um, we have Let's see. show you a couple other things here. I'm not going to get this one out yet because this one is sensitive to any light. It will hurt it. Okay. We have uh, these sticks or IR light sticks. You can actually you know, like set one up at the far end of a clear cut or field or, or something, and, and it would light it up so you could see it if you didn't have any natural ambient light coming through. This is our recording device that we use for recording awesome. creatures. You probably recognize that one. Yeah. Um, Okay, the other one that I wanted to show you, let me dig it out over here. This is one you can plug into your phone, and you can just keep it handy. On a narrow dirt road that tilts the van vertically, we press upward through increasing snow. So we kind of 
feel like this is one of our most promising spots to actually see a creature or hear one or find a track is on the mountain. So Gold did, mines on one side, limestone caves on the other. Three reported sightings in the area, including the most recent one in our area right on top. Now hours into the night, at 1600 feet, we climb out and fix chains on the tires before proceeding. The air is much colder at this elevation. For a good white spot up here, Joey, if, it's, if this snow stays like this, we'll probably turn around and just hike the rest of the way. It's not that far away from there. So. Before we hike up to retrieve the cam, we pause to warm up around a fire. They kindle it with Oregon yellow cedar they had collected the previous week, the most potent pine you'll ever smell. My clothes absorb the scent. Tea comes out, and next the stories. I'll tell you a story, I'll tell you my personal story, and, and I'll show you what I used to call one in when I was a young man. And, and I believe it would work just as effectively as anything that anybody would try. And it's kind of a secret. I've mm. only read about one other person getting a response, and they weren't even intentionally trying to get one. They just happened to see or hear one. So are you familiar with, like, game calls, like duck calls, obviously? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, this call is made to call in predators. Mm. A predator being anything that preys on other animals. It could be a coyote, a bobcat, a cougar, a bear. In this case, a Bigfoot. I was 16 years old, and I was, I was, um, that tea tastes really good, Joey. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. I was 16 years old, and I wanted to be, I wanted to be a woodsman so bad that I, I wanted to run a trap line, okay, and I, I would read about it and stuff, and I had a friend that was my best friend, and I, I called, I, I went to the store one day in Olympia, it's a sporting goods store called Yardbirds. This was in 1979 or 1980. And I bought this predator call, mm -hmm. which mimics a dying rabbit. And it sounds pretty scary, as you'll see here shortly. Have you ever heard one? Have you used one? Yeah, um, I've gone coyote hunting with my dad. A there you go. So he's got it. Your yeah. dad, okay, so like down there where your dad lives, where you, you know, where home's at, that would be the kind of a spot you might try using a predator call oh, yeah. in an area you don't have Bigfoot and seeing if you could bring one in. I mean, bring him in, not just get a response, but just call him in because he's thinking he's coming into a, a meal. So I called my buddy and I said, I told him, I said, I bought this predator call. I'd like to go try it and see if we can get, get some coyotes. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, he says, man, he says, perfect. He says, I just drug a dead calf up to this field. The calf, the calf weighed about 400 pounds. It had died of disease. Mm -hmm. And he was working for his girlfriend's father. So this is my friend Greg. He was working for Jody's dad. Jerry. And so Greg tells me, he says, so up there in the field above the barn, he says, which is about a half mile through the woods, he said, I drug this, this calf. So 
he picked me up at my house, which is about five or six miles away. We drove up, picked up his girlfriend, Jody, from their house, and drove another half mile down the road, parked his pickup at the old barn mm -hmm. on the, this lonely highway like the one we just came off of, hiked up through this dirt road through the trees about a half mile to the field. Joey's been there with me. It's all now old. This field has now grown in with second growth timber that's 12 to 16 inches. You know, it's 30, 30 years old or more. Incidentally, where all this took place, where we went up to. Full of bones. Yeah. Here, I'll, I'll stick those in. bones everywhere. I'll let me stick those in there. Um, oh, no. These are the ones you say Yeah. I'm going to stick them in there. Oh, oh I can do thank this. you. I got it. I don't so, want to accidentally burn them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so we, we went up to this spot. Sam, and, and we walked up, we parked down the bottom, hiked up to the field, and I could see where he had drugged this calf. I mean, it'd be like if you drug it's because it's a, a dirt road. You can see the drag mark of the calf, every little down like some hair from it. Mm -hmm. And you can see the tractor tires where they dug in like a van coming up this hill. And we get up to this field, and Greg walks over where he drugged this calf. There's nothing there. You can see where he'd stopped the tractor, and spun around, tight little turn, but there was no cow anymore. It's gone. And this is only like a day prior. He was, he was surprised, and we, we couldn't figure it out. We had no idea why the calf wasn't there. Usually, we're kind of hoping the coyotes would have been feeding on it. Right. May have been a little soon, you know, because it was a brand new cow. But anyway, we didn't figure it out till later what had happened. At least. We, we believe we figured it out. So we went to the edge of the field and we, we laid down on the grass, which is about knee high. This was in September. And we started blowing this call. And we were talking softly and we blow the call. We did not have flashlights. It's still daylight. It's dusk. And pretty soon it got dark. And we thought, well, <laughs> can't see anything to shoot a coyote. It's right. time to get back down to the truck. And we kind of forgotten about the calf. I mean, Greg had, and he was a little perplexed by it. And when we stood up, there was starlight, no moonlight, because there was no moon, just stars. And it was really still quiet, though. We could hear trains like six miles away in McClary, which had a little door plant there. This is where I was raised, McClary. And this is in the Capitol Forest, right on the edge of it, the Black Hills, it's called. So when we stood up, this creature... We couldn't see it because we didn't have flashlights, but we heard him run off, thump, 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 just like a big man taking long strides in a, in a field where the grass, you could hear him run, you could hear his feet hitting the ground, thump, 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 and he sounded like he weighed hundreds of pounds, a heavy, big animal, but he's running on two legs, not yeah. four, like like a bear would be thumpity, thumpity, you know, bears are four-legged, cows, elk, anything that would be that heavy would run on four legs not to mention the fact you're not going to call an animal like that in in the middle of the night or in dark anyway cows not a cow and a horse elk they're not going to come into a predator's call you would call in a bear or a cougar but this was running on two feet and he ran off we were scared we were just, i was 16 greg was 17 jody was 17. we started a we were pretty, pretty excited and scared. You know, it's like, what is that? What do you think that was? And we had no light. And so what we did was we wanted that thing, whatever it was, to know that we had a firearms. So I fired the shotgun, which had buckshot, a shotgun, buckshot for coyotes. Yeah. Fired it straight up in the air. 
Now not only could we not see anything, now we couldn't hear anything because our ears are shocked from right, right. boom. Yeah, all we can hear is ringing in our ears. So we got down to the track and we were pretty pretty excited. And we dropped Jody off. We're driving home and Greg and I both figured out it was a Bigfoot Sasquatch simultaneously. And we knew then that's what we called it. So the, over the next year and a half, I went up there probably, it could have been a dozen times, it could have been 20 times. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. I go up there every so often with a predator call. Greg and I usually went, or I take my brothers or some friends, and had other experiences happen, including eye shine about 100 yards away. The field itself was about 500 yards by 300 yards. It's a big field. Yeah. Um, two years later, a year and a half later, I'm on my way home from high school, and this is only two weeks before I graduate. And um, I stop at the station to get gas station to get fuel in this truck that I'm driving, which is owned by the school. And do you want a light? Huh? Do you need a light? No, I'm good. Okay. Sure. Oh, happy. So I stop the gas station attendant comes out and says, did you hear about the Bigfoot up at Abbott Hill? <coughs> well, he'd, he'd heard the story a little bit wrong, but I'm so excited, Sam, because I had had these experiences, right? Yeah. Okay, so I said, no, where's Abbott Hill? I didn't know where Abbott Hill was even at. He said, Abbott Hill's up. He told him where to get to us. So, man, I'm driving home. I drive up to Abbott Hill, and here is a sheriff's deputy in a squad, you know, patrol car. He's mixing plaster Paris in a bucket. A guy dressed in, like, civilian clothes with them, and they're down kind of working in this dried mud puddle that was about 8 or 10 feet long. And these tracks went on for hundreds of feet. They went all the way through this logged area. And he cast, that day, he cast six tracks oh, from really? that one creature. Wow. And I'm just a kid. Okay, about ready to graduate from high school, so he doesn't really pay me much mind. He probably says something like, don't step on the tracks, kid. I don't know. He could have known, known him. He probably did. We hooked up with him, Joey, and I did two years ago. Oh, really? And he gave us two of the six tracks that he cast. Oh. I'll show you one. I'll get it. Now, the significance of this, Sam, is it's only two miles from where I ended up calling one in with a predator call two weeks later. Yeah, oh. Okay. So, so this this happened the first week of June. This is, this is his track right here. Oh, there it is. And you can see, you can see that the, where the mud was drying. See the cracks on the mud? Yeah. Mud puddle, I should say. Had been a mud puddle. Now it's, now it's empty. And you can see where he picked up a little piece of dirt right there, mud on his, on his bottom of his pad. This measures 16 inches long. Two weeks after this happened, and I went up there four times, I went to the field one more time. I was camping with some friends up there. And it's going to try and scare them with the predator call. They'd already gotten camp set up as a party, night of senior graduation, whole classes up there. And I went up there. Greg, my friend, was going to tell some stories, and I was going to try blowing the call. We're going to see if we could get people scared, right? Campfire stories. So I snuck around the edge of the field like we'd done for the previous year and a half, stood at one edge of the timber, and started blowing this predator call. 
and I blew the call for four or five minutes. No response from anybody out in the field. Nobody can even hear me. The, the bonfires, the music, the cars spinning Brody's, people getting drunk, all yeah. that, all that junk that goes to the party, right? The junk, all the stuff that goes to the party. So I thought, well, I might as well go out there. I just graduated. Just before I stepped out, I heard a stick break behind me. I turned around with my flashlight and I turned it on. And these are the old Ever Ready double D cells. They weren't very good lights, but I'm standing. I turn around, facing the field. Behind me is the trees. I turn around, turn my light on, and right there, eight foot tall, eight foot, every bit of eight foot, is a male Sasquatch watching me and watching everybody behind me. How close were you? From me to you. Wow, what? He had walked right up to me. That's crazy. Right up to me. And it was, you see this brush right here? It's similar to that, okay? Kind of like berry bushes, a combination of berry bushes, alder, and salmon berry. And he was holding some of that brush apart so he could see better. And all I saw was from like here up, that I saw his arms holding that apart. I saw his face, his teeth, the sagittal crest on top of his head, which is that lump that the jaw muscles are attached to. I saw his hair on his chest, his face. He had real short hair, maybe an inch or so long. Wow. Um, his teeth are straight, like ours. They were not like primate teeth or canine, canine teeth, either either one. Um, and I could see all of his teeth. It's like he was grinning, like, like Joey says. It's like he was, the light was bright in his eyes, like he's going, ah. You know. grimacing. <laughs> grimacing. Yeah. A grimace right. would be a good word, right. <laughs> but it wasn't like a threatening grimace at all. It was like, ah. And I, I probably had the light shining on for probably no more than five seconds, but every bit of that. And I thought to myself, I don't want to make him angry by shining a light in his eyes. So I'm sitting looking at him, and I, I just, I, I, thought, I really didn't know how to extract myself from the situation. I'm right there next to a large Bigfoot. What are you going to do? Is he gonna, I didn't feel threatened by him. I got about a right he could have crushed me like a toothpick. Yeah. But I turned the light off. And I heard one more noise, and I trimmed it on, and he was gone. I never saw him there in that field again, even though I went back there. So he just took off running? He or? just turned around and stepped back into the night, huh. I mean, just into the trees. You know, so that was it. Um, that's two miles. That's crazy. Less than two miles from where those tracks were made, and only two weeks apart. So the sheriff believes it was the same creature. I, I believe it was, too. Young male Sasquatch out just checking things out. Muscle definition on the chest, I can though, see right? The muscle, I can see the pectoral muscle. Very How about easy. the waist down? Did you see that? I couldn't see oh. it. It was junk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good thing junk. I didn't. I made it felt pretty small for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. <laughs> no, I couldn't see. I couldn't. But it was it was definitely a male sound. You could just from his chest. He tells a story with wide eyes, reliving a moment ingrained in his memory. With a sighting like that, it's easy to understand the ambition that has carried him into his career. As our cups empty, we gather our gear and hike uphill to retrieve the trail camera, aided in the darkness by the bright beams of our headlamps. Colleen and Sternhagen are especially excited because the camera has been fixed to a tree for six weeks. While they normally check their trail cameras every week, the previous snowfall blocked the steep roadway. Halfway up the slope, Colleen draws my attention to enormous human-looking tracks in the snow. Joey, those are sure interesting tracks, aren't they? What? Yeah. <laughs> she makes you wonder. Absorbed in the guide's eager curiosity, my heart batters too. They're I almost mean, right next to each yeah. other. I like mean, they're, they're just really. You know? Yeah. I mean, that is true. Who walks I like mean, that? 
if they were human, I mean, I, I've seen human tracks erode like that from water rain, but those are just pretty impressive. Like They're, big boots could do it, but still, who who walks like that? Like right yeah, next to each other. Yeah, right next to each other. They're not snowshoes. Like shuffling. I wonder if um, if the, if it was like a the snow was a lot worse a few days ago, then they might yeah. a person might walk like that. I guess. True that exactly. And you know, a bigfoot probably would have compressed it down more, too, dependent on what the snow was like. Hmm. Those are they're big. Yeah, those are huge. That's I mean, what I'm I thinking. Realize, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know how my track would grow to that size. Like maybe because it melted, but uh... I find myself peering at each track intently as I walk beside them, looking for any semblance of toe prints. I don't think they're snowshoes. Mm -mm. It's weird, huh? Yeah. Like you said, Samuel, melting snow would eventually. It's like a shuffling old man, or else more than one. But well, we know that it recently was less than a year or three months ago. But look at this over here. You know, it came. He came up and over this way. I'm waiting to see toe prints. That's how yeah. you'll know. Oh, those are snowshoes. These snowshoes? I think maybe. Don't snowshoes, don't they have that little part where you dig in with your foot? And oh, you're yeah. Off? I mean, I, I'm not sure. This is a... Oh, that'd be crazy if the camera showed something. What <laughs> But I'm disappointed. As the snow thins, we realize the tracks are just a hiker's boot prints, simply widened from snow melt. They did get a bit smaller. Yeah, they do, don't they? Game cam right there, are you right? Oh, yeah. It's not biting at all, it's all melted snow. Well, see these right here look about right. Yeah, for they a person. do. They do, totally. Yeah. Try a couple calls and see if we can listen yeah. for anything. Let's do it. Let's do it. You want to try calling? Yeah. Sound excellent. I'll hold you. Yeah. difficult to hear one unless he roared <laughs> or came crashing with that. The wind has definitely picked up since we left the harbor. Might be able to hear a knock. Could hear a knock, yeah, especially if it's up one to you. I'll tell you, Joey, this looks really squatchy up here to me. I know. You know, it feels like you just... I'm okay. Joey, you do a scream. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Thank you.
you practiced any whoops sound? Uh uh. Give me a tutorial. Well, it's you just see the problem is I can't yell as loud. Pull it from the diaphragm. Yeah, from the <laughs> diaphragm, so the deeper and louder the better, and you just scream out whoop because that's the sound they make, or it says scream, or you know you hear monkeys go. <laughs> and then they like put their mouth out really far and they do a scream but the whoop is heard over and over and over again I wish I could have pulled up some on our way out just try it yeah let me try it yeah. <clears throat> whoop yeah. it's not it's pretty darn good actually oh, that kind of sounded like a woo I don't know <laughs> well, that was, that's not bad at all actually If you were to hear a creature like that in the Pacific Northwest, you would know it's not, well, obviously Bigfoot are indigenous here, but you'd say, well, that's not a bear, cougar, yeah. coyote, you know. It would be a Sasquatch so, or someone messing with you, right. one of the it's, two. It sounds very primate, you know, and yeah. it sounds like a great ape. Like a big, giant ape. So there's the scream, the whoop, and the howl. But it's kind of like the howl is the one we heard mm. over by Mount Adams. Mm -hmm. yeah, There's sure. a theory that when people hear it, a lot of times people describe being frozen in a fear and they can't move, so they don't take pictures or record it. And one of the theories is that in giant animals like a tiger, when a tiger roars, its diaphragm is so big in its rib cage that when it roars, it hits an octave that temporarily paralyzes the prey oh. because they freeze and that octave can only be hit with something that has a lung capacity like this. Huh. And that that's why people freeze and don't take pictures, don't run. I've talked to some hunters, a friend of mine, David, avid hunter, and he ran across a Bigfoot in the middle of the woods. The stench, the screams that he said were so loud, he was so terrified. He's more comfortable in the woods than he is anywhere else in the world. He was so terrified he froze while it stomped around screaming for a couple hours. And then when it left, he stayed there till morning. He didn't move. His feet were in the same place oh. until morning and then he beat feet out of there and he won't go back hunting there at all oh my gosh and he was a young man he was probably in his 20s when this happened mid-20s not afraid of anything and uh he's my age and will not return there still hunts all the time but whoop 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 that's a lot like a dog barking if you're a long ways away let's hear yours again Sam That's pretty good. Cool. Yeah, it's good.
minutes waiting, and no sound returns. We pull out night vision and infrared lenses and survey our environment. Not even a rabbit leaps. On a drive through Whatcom County, Bigfoot can be seen on bumper stickers and coffee shop logos. Through stories and art, too, the Sasquatch continues to prove its indisputable influence on the area. Regardless of whether Colleen's biological question about Sasquatch's existence is ever answered, Suttle certainly raises an interesting anthropological one. Why do so many people believe? According to author Robert Alley, many Coast Salish nations such as the Kwakiutl people of British Columbia and the Tlingit people of Alaska have art depicting bipedal apes from long before any type of ape was brought to the continent. Sasquatch-like figures have been reported in every continent except Antarctica, according to data from Google Maps. These sightings vary by name but hardly by description. The Nepalese Yeti, Australian Yowie, and South African Water Babajan are just a few examples. Bigfoot is seen across the world in vision quests and shaky video cameras alike with hundreds of fresh sightings and stories each year. On the bumpy road back down the mountain, Sturthagen attempts to read the cards on the cameras. They hold photos of hikers, a squirrel, and some snowfall. But no Bigfoot tonight. I'm reminded of the occasional unsuccessful fishing trip with my dad. As we packed up our gear, he would always say, that's why it's called fishing, not catching. Colleen smiles when I tell him this.